Hello, this is Nick Holland with Information Security Media Group, joined today by Troy Leach, who is the SVP of Market Intelligence and Industry Engagement at PCI Security Standards Council. Troy, thanks for joining me. Thanks for the invitation, Nick. Yeah, so a uh, new title, but it's uh, obviously still doing the good work. Uh, we are. And, and what we've done at the PCI Council is we've done this informally for more than a decade is, is try to find ways that we can be better engaged with the community, uh, ways that we can bring in all the payment security intelligence, but then also be able to educate and promote out to industry as well. So I'm, I'm excited about the new role. Uh, it's been about eight or nine months now, and, and uh, it's been uh, fantastic to be able to work more closely, even though we're doing this from homes and, and remotely because of COVID-19. Uh, it's been really nice to see that the industry is still passionate about making sure we're doing our best to protect payment. Absolutely. Well, so let's talk about that then. So first thing is there's, there's been some updates to PCI uh, DSS version 4.0. So what's, what's an overview of those? What are the key takeaways, Troy? Yeah, so for those that are not familiar, we had a request for comment period in 2019. Uh, we received more than 3,200 pieces of feedback. Anyone that's been involved in developing standards, that is a significant amount of feedback. Uh, we have just completed going through all of that. Uh, what we've done and what is new for us as well is we're taking that information and processing it so those that submitted the feedback can see exactly what we did with it. Um, it's a very long uh, process to make sure that we fully understood the comments and the suggestions for change. And often it's multiple contrarian opinions uh, and trying to uh, find a, a solution that meets uh, as much as possible both the needs of uh, whether it's a merchant or a service provider or someone else that might be adhering to PCI DSS. We now have just published on our website a timeline associated with this so people can go there. Uh, we have now in uh, finished the RFC. We're getting ready for the next request for comment period, which will happen this fall. Uh, then we were hoping uh, by mid-2021 is when DSS-4 will be publicly available. And then there's a, a stage time where we have all the supporting documents, at, such as self-assessment questionnaires. Those come out about um, six months later, typically. And then for those that are, are working and planning or they've seen an RFC uh, draft of this document, we highly encourage them to still continue to work towards version 3.2.1, simply because uh, what we're facing is often changes that will happen in the next draft. And there's always a grace period. So there'll be about 18 months where both versions of the standard will be available and you can adhere to either one. Uh, and then in addition to that, there will be or we expect there will be several new requirements with version four and with that uh, we will have an 18 or, or more month period where you'll have time to budget plan and adapt to to those new requirements one of the biggest changes uh, related to that is we have something called custom validation so we're taking a look at how do we identify and recognize that there's a very broad type of payment acceptance that's happening in the marketplace? How do we take the security controls and the intent of those controls and how do we make it easy for people or at least easier to be able to process um, how they do payments in a secure manner and identify how you test and demonstrate security to those in a different way. And that's where custom validation comes on. Okay. So we had quite a bit of comments related to that. How do you have good security efficacy related to doing those types of controls and 
probably more of that in the next RFC is expected as well. So it's clearly, I think the last time we spoke was, we were certainly pre-pandemic. So it, we're in a different world now. I mean, clearly uh, we're used to speaking at conferences. There are no conferences. This is, this is it. But I mean, clearly the payments landscape shifted quite a bit as well. Um, and a lot more people are taking remote payments, even in a physical environment. You've got, uh, you know, clearly a lot of opportunities for, for fraud and card data interception. So what, I mean, first of all, what are your, what are your concerns related to uh, the current landscape? And, and again, the, the protection of payment card data? Yeah, the current landscape is quite a bit different than what we expected it would be uh, starting this year. And, and that's both for how we've had to shift our business operations, but also how the criminals have tried to take advantage of this change in, in how we go about accepting and processing payments. So for us, uh, COVID-19 has been a point where we've had to address multiple issues, uh, specifically around how we go about demonstrating security if security assessors or even uh, personnel for the organization cannot be on site to make patch updates or other types of uh, changes that improves the security. Uh, we've also seen uh, quite a bit of cyber criminals using phishing attacks, the spike in the type of uh, malware variants associated directly with COVID-19, and all of these ways that they're trying to lure uh, employees to click links that they think are associated with the latest health information associated with the coronavirus, only to find that it's downloaded uh, some form of Trojan or other type of malware onto their system. Uh, we also have the challenge of all these people that have moved to remote operations. I was talking to a Fortune 100 uh, merchant uh, recently, and they were saying that they went from about 1,000, 2,000 remote workers uh, to moving to 15, 14,000 different uh, per personnel on-site uh, going to off-site and the challenges of having VPN set up and using multi-factor authentication for logging in and just not prepared for the, the breadth that they would have to do, as well as the security awareness training. So they had awareness training for uh, staff that was on site, say you're a call center and you're seeing uh, some education uh, material for how you operate within that facility, but not having the same type of awareness training for how do you take payments uh, at your home and how do you make sure that there's not um, unintentional ex exploit exploitation of these types of things. So it, it's been quite a, a bit of a challenge. So we've been focused on on that as well as the the crimes, the cyber crimes that were happening already, such as MagCard and online digital skimming, those have spiked during COVID-19. We've seen just this week, uh, several different retailers being victim to this. Uh, yeah. And so we've been promoting also at the same time, uh, our secure lifecycle standard uh, that we published last year. Recently NIST in uh, April published a, a document with Safecode and BSA related to their secure development framework. It cites our work as well. And so we're seeing an industry move that during this time that we're working remotely, that we have an opportunity for us to uh, look at and do more related to good software design. Mm. So we, even though you're working remotely, we have an opportunity to uh, prevent and, and these type of uh, attacks. Yeah. I'd say, I mean, some of the things I've come across as well with, again, it's um, staff, for example, in call centers suddenly having to go remote and they've never really had to be outside of a, a software defined or you know, any form of perimeter. Um, yeah. So, Again, that, that exfiltration of data is always a, a constant challenge there. 
Um, any other specific guidance that you're providing for um, the community there, Troy? Yeah, so we've looked at small merchants. Uh, to your point, Nick, related to the change in uh, how you accept payments, we recognize that there are small merchants that possibly were just a brick and mortar card present type of acceptance. And, and just like that, they had to move to e-commerce or maybe curbside takeout if they're a restaurant. And so these changes in, in how they accept and process payments uh, probably was done very quickly so they could stay in operations. And so we're going back and we published guidance. We have eight small tips for small merchants related to this for things that they should be aware of. Uh, mostly it's related to the third parties that they rely on. So those third parties were also impacted just the same, uh, making sure that those third parties have uh, strong and unique passwords. We're hearing stories of there are these remote technicians, they have lots of different clients and they're using good passwords, but it's the same password for mm. multiple clients. So making sure that there's a unique password for each type of access to a, to a merchant location, uh, looking again at multi-factor authentication and making sure that people, I know it's a challenge because they're remote, uh, still at least doing scans of their network to make sure that even if there's issues they can't resolve, they're aware of the issues and they can start to plan when they get back into those facilities, a way to address those issues. Also talking about coming back. Uh, mm -hmm. So we, we talked about the migration away from, from an office. We also have to plan for that migration back to an office. Right. And we're hearing from CISOs about the challenge of, of you've had a, a worker at home for five, six months, possibly, doing personal uh, work on, on laptops that are, are going to be coming back into the office in the corporate environment and making sure that there's the right security protections in place when you return to the office as well. All of this can be found on our, our website, uh, COVID-19. It's PCISecuritystandards.org slash COVID-19. And we take and address these issues as well as many others, uh, such as the safety around point-of-sale terminals. So people are concerned about spreading this a virus by uh, a common point of sale device that's touched by a lot of different people. Uh, we provide some guidance on how we maintain good uh, safety of the device by how properly disinfecting it without disrupting some of the security controls that are in place, such as uh, skimming devices, uh, protection devices for uh, against online skimming. Those are the types of things that are, you can find on our website. Yeah. Interesting time for contactless payments as well. Certainly that seems to be. You see a, you see a big promotion around the world um, of people trying to move to that. And for us, uh, you know, we've published uh, several standards that have contactless security requirements in them. So we've been talking to organizations throughout the world, whether it's regulators, merchants, or banks, uh, of using those best practices in our security requirements or contactless and adopting them as they start to embrace a lot of new uh, transactions associated with contactless. Yeah. I'm finding it myself as well. I'm starting to use Apple Pay or whatever a lot, lot more frequently. Um, so <laughs> I finally found a use case after, I don't know, 20 years or whatever. So that's <laughs> observation of my own. But anyway, Troy, it's been great catching up with you. This is actually, um, again, good, good to catch up with, with yourself personally, but also in terms of what the Standards Council is doing. Um, so that's Troy Leach, who is with the PCI Security Standards Council. And for Information Security Media Group, I'm Nick Holland.